Hello and welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 288. So what we left off last week is we talked a little bit about Anna XOR's newest badge life hacker thing for DEF CON. Um, Steven got one over the weekend. Woo! And uh, he's been messing around with it a bit. So what, what's your initial thoughts, Steven? Well, okay, let me describe it first. Um, because, the, okay, so, gosh, how many, how many badges have we talked about on this podcast? Five different badges? Uh, probably enough where people are sick of healing, uh, hearing about it. Well, okay, so the, the whole point of, <laughs> of calling out that number is that this is uh, the most different out of all the uh, N.X. or badges that we've talked about. Oh, for sure. Because this one is less, uh, shall, shall we say, like uh, digital coding. Uh, this one is a lot more physical hands-on, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of cool. It is cool. I'm, uh, I'm super kind of stoked about this. So, uh, okay. So let's see here. The, the, the main portion of this puzzle, and, and and it's funny because I'm describing it to the people who uh, have designed it here. Uh, well, okay. In terms of Parker and 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 that XOR is in our Twitch chat right now, but uh, but for everyone else, okay. So inside this delicious package of silicon apple chips that that comes from and not xor we've got let me see here uh a just straight up baggie of smd parts like clips of cut tape cut tape eight (laughs) you know eight millimeter cut tape i think they're 0603 size packages or they 0805s they look like 0805s to me and then there's some diodes well okay so the well there's there's parts they don't parts. necessarily tell you what those parts are there's just cut tapes of uh of stuff uh and then there's a handful of pcbs one of which is a main pcb uh and this pcb has plenty of delicious text on it uh and silkscreen information that you would expect from an anod or badge uh, but it's just an unpopulated circuit board. Uh, it looks like NODX was mentioning in the chat that uh, the LEDs, which, yes, there are LEDs in here, uh, they're 1206 and the resistors are all 0805. Because it's, it's, it is a DEF CON badge, so you have to have the LED bling. Right. Well, and, and uh, okay, so there is uh, one capacitor uh, in, in the bag, and then there are two strips of SOT23 somethings mm-hmm. in there uh so so this the the main pcb is just entirely unpopulated it's just an enig plated pcb and i guess that is from what i've gathered the main point of the puzzle is well actually i shouldn't even say that okay so the thing is if you go and read the information which uh, about this uh badge which is i guess it's a hackaday.io yeah there's a hackaday project um that explains that has all like the hints, right? Everything you kind of need to know to start solving this badge. Well, okay, so there's there's a lot of information in this Hackaday article. Uh, it, it seems like it was very specifically well crafted to give lots or little information, and in, that's typical of these kinds of badges, right? So, uh, well, it's typical 
of anode XOR batches. <laughs> no, that yeah, right, right. That, well, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, uh, all the so much XOR documentation stuff. without the actual answers you're looking for. What well, zero of the answers <laughs> you're looking for? <laughs> which is the point. So there's different levels of which you can participate with this badge, um, which can be just, I guess. I don't have it pulled up right now, but the but the levels, if I recall correctly, are like, hey, I have the badge. That's level zero or level one. And then there's solder up for fun, but it doesn't function. And then there's some levels beyond that leading to like the final puzzle break, which is, you know, a functional circuit that you have uh, reverse engineered effectively through a, a good handful of, uh, of methods. Uh, I say that because... This isn't just like, oh, he, R1 goes here, R2 goes here, and, and whatnot. And what he's saying is like putting up like this resistor or this capacitor or this component goes at this designator with right. a spot on the board. There's no instructions on how to build this whatsoever. And in fact, it's quite cryptic, like on, on purpose. Above and beyond that, there's, there's an additional layer of, of difficulty. So I guess, gosh, maybe we should back up. No, no, I'll just keep going with this. So I said there's multiple PCBs in the board, in, in the bag that comes along with this. The main PCB is where you solder all your SMD parts, but there's five other or four other, uh, I guess, daughter boards that uh, have castellated edges on them. And these four boards, if you look on the uh, front side of the board, they have nice silkscreen on them, but on the rear side of the board, they have traces. And you can... Uh, pretty easily tell the direction that the traces go. I mean, some of them are straight across, some of them crisscross. Uh, so just looking at the back of these boards, you can determine which castellated pin on one edge of the board connects to which castellated pin on the other edge of the board. The, the thing about these four boards is there's no direct immediate information as to how these daughter boards get soldered to the main board. So... Given a ton of clues and a bunch of reverse engineering of just the main board is not enough to get the main board to function. You have to, in addition, do something with these daughter boards. You have to solder them correctly onto the main board uh, to get everything to function. Yeah, to uh, make the connections correct. Make the Right, to complete the schematic effectively. Mm-hmm. The thing about it that's, that's interesting is the end result of what you're going for isn't even known. Like, I don't know specifically what this thing is supposed to do. It's not like I was given a blank slate and the answer and said, connect the dots. I was just given a blank slate (laughs) and you have to figure out basically what, uh, what the overall function is by, Oh gosh, I don't know. Reverse engineering. That's all I can. That's all I can think of that uh, that is going to work for this is to basically trace it out, figure out the schematic, figure out how the schematic could work given limited information that you know, and then tying everything together to make something function on here. So, given the information that I know on this, I've got resistors. I've got basically a capacitor and the reason I, I i can fairly confidently say a capacitor there's one pad that looks big enough for a capacitor and on the hackaday.io article there's a 3d render of the uh, of the board and it shows 
a capacitor populated in that location. So I'm, I'm, and the kit came with two capacitors and there's only one pad large enough for it. So, so I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's one, uh, one capacitor that goes on here. Unless, unless Anodexor was super evil and they, they decided to make you solder a, a larger capacitor onto smaller pads, which I don't think that that's the case. So no, no, if a part doesn't feel like it fits onto a pad, it, it's, I think that's there. safe to assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've got resistors. I've got capacitors. I've got two strips of SOT 23 somethings, uh, LEDs on here. So SOT 23s are like a package of right, so, component. Right. SOT 23s. There are so many parts that could be in a SOT 23 package. Um, so the, uh, and then, and then there's some LEDs, right? And and having been to DefCon and having seen a bunch of uh, a bunch of badges, LEDs and bling are uh, enough of a thing to assume that the purpose of this, it, at least just from me, like gathering information, the purpose of this is to have LEDs do something on this board. There's two pads on. The, uh, the front side of the board, the board that I, I believe you would wear on your chest facing anyone who wants to look at you, there are two pads that seem uh, LED-ish, and they have silkscreen information that make me think LED-ish. So my guess is those are LED pads. This device why, is probably going why to Why do they make you think LED-ish? They're the right size, and they have uh, they have silkscreen that could indicate a polarity on it. Okay, and they both have very similar silkscreen that could indicate polarity. Also, like there's some via in pad in here that I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's totally fine. Like especially because it's it's hand soldered. But there's a there's yeah there's a good and there's okay so. There's a lot of reverse engineering that could be done from the trace level. In fact, that's that's effectively where I started on this was just uh, I started looking at symbols on the board, looking at trace uh, traces, following them to parts, and then just I actually started building up a schematic in, in dip trace. And then I was going to move pieces around until it made sense as to what it could do electrically. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm approaching this entirely from an electrical engineering standpoint. Um, I guess one thing that I, I haven't mentioned, above and beyond all of this, uh, there is a coded cipher that goes along um, with with everything on the board. So the board doesn't have reference designators that that make sense directly. There's a cipher on there. So all the reference designators have uh, um, codes, I, I guess you could say, or symbols that represent them. Things like car, poker chip, raindrop, or pizza, or things of that sort. Uh, and so, so we, we call, we, you know what we called that cipher? What's that? Is, I think, hold on, keep talking. I'm going to make sure it's on the hackaday.io because I don't want to give away hints. Oh, the name of the cipher? Are, are you giving away stuff? Yeah. Because the, the name of the cipher is a, is a hint. Ah, Okay. Well, it, it's in it's in all capitals too. I believe that the name is on there, right? In in all caps. I don't know. Look that up. So so yeah, there are symbols all over the board. So if you wanted to see like a resistor name or resistor value, you'd have to crack this cipher first. I frankly, I'm just not really interested in spending a bunch of time cracking that at this moment. I'm more interested in the electrical stuff. I'm kind of a little bit more confident that I can 
uh, just build the schematic, look at my values, and then make it work given the values that I have. So maybe I'm 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 cheating a little bit in that sense, uh, and I'll probably come back to the cipher. But I'm I'm a little bit more interested in the uh, in the circuit side of things. Oh, interesting. First, we did not put that as a hint in there. Oh well, maybe you'll have to select that to me later. Yeah. Well, actually, since uh, they are in chat, could I give out that hint? Ooh. Well, let's see what. The, okay. Well, a hint that you can only get on the MacFab Engineering podcast. Ooh. <laughs> so uh, one. Okay. So one of the first things I did was I busted out my SMD part tester, and I uh, I tested the SOT twenty three parts because, okay. So many different types of parts can be in a SOT23 package. But one thing I noticed is that the SOT23 pads on the boards tend to come in clumps. And the symbols that are next to them uh, represent multiples. Like, there's not not a reference designator or a part type on every single uh, SOT23 pad on here so my my initial thought is these are either diodes or they're transistors that's that's sort of my guess on there and i put these on a um on my smd tester and i found that one strip of the parts were pnp transistors and one strip was npn transistors so cool like just from kind of a a glance at this at the beginning like it, it would either have to be some kind of diode logic circuit or some kind of active transistor circuit. And I, I, I was right about the active transistor circuit. Um, and then the, one of the things that kind of makes that uh, stand out a little bit is like all of the SOT23 pads on the board have car poker chip raindrop or car poker chip pizza uh, next to them. <laughs> and since I only have two strips of those, like it, it makes sense. And the way I've been kind of, I haven't determined what's what yet. I, I haven't re- gotten that far, but, uh, I have like been reverse engineering the traces, just following things and then building that and putting dummy schematic parts down. Like, I guess this is a, an NPN. I guess this is a PNP. And they're starting to show me that like, oh, this circuit wouldn't work if raindrop was this and if pizza was that. So I had to flip them and stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty close to cracking which one is which based off of just like, well, this circuit wouldn't work if they were the other mm-hmm. type. Uh, I haven't gotten significantly further than, than that, however. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun. Now, now the, the, the funny thing is I, I mentioned this to Parker uh, whenever, whenever, uh, before that we started the recording of the podcast, right when I open the bag, I look at this board and kind of read the rules of things. And I'm like, okay, what is this board? God, I can see get, oh, there's, there's LEDs, there's transistors, there's resistors and a capacitor. What can this thing even do with just that, those components, right? So the very first thing I think of is I go and I count all the SOT23 pads. This is even before I know that they're transistors. I just count the total number of SOT23 pads and I go right to Google and I find a 555 timer schematic and I count the number of transistors in a 555 because I'm like, this, this, this is probably a 555 timer discrete that blinks the LEDs. That's like before I even start digging into things, like it's gotta be something of that sort. Uh, I haven't fully determined that yet or determined exactly what it does. Um, but that's, that's my, uh, like my initial gut feel the first time I look at the board. <laughs> um, 
So I, for some reason, we discussed this as like being a hint, and I don't know why it's not a hint. It might be on the bag somewhere. But anyway, so the cipher is the CDC. Ah, the crazy Damon cipher. Got it. So that's a that's a hint. So yeah, this is a. I won't, I won't comment on on your theories of what you've discovered so far, though. But I like the approach, like a strict logical engineering approach to it. Like not it's, even looking at the puzzles or anything like that. Like you're looking at like I have a I have a handful of components that I don't even know fully what they are. I don't even know their values. And I have a layout slash basically you have a net list. <laughs> I, I have a net list. How can I combine these to make it do something? But your net list isn't full because you have four boards that can be shuffled around on the front. Well, okay, so okay. I started building those boards in dip trace actually uh, such that oh. I can, I can move them around on my schematic and I can see how it connects the rest of the schematic. And then like, like the schematic will just speak to me and, and probably, <laughs> and it will, it will tell me because here, like the thing it about electronics is secrets. like once, once you get a feeling for what electronics like do, there's, there's only so many ways that things can be connected. Like, of, of course there's infinite ways things can be connected, but like, uh, like I really doubt that you guys are doing something like super uber wacko crazy on this. So when I see like a transistor connected to a base of another transistor that's connected to power, like I can see inversion going on and I can see other like bit flipping and, and those kinds of things going on. So I just need to keep going with the reverse engineering, connect the dots. I might even be able to build this whole thing without the cipher, you know, <laughs> like, you know, actually if you could pull that off, it'd be really impressive. Yeah. And I bet you I could get the cipher. It's just like, I looked at it. I was like, I don't want to start there. I want to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just yeah. different ways of attacking the puzzle. Right. Right. Um, now, and, and once one, I have the schematic, need, I can hot rod it and I can, I can. Yeah. Well, I was going to say better. one is something that you can just think really hard about to solve. Yeah. And the other, you need four years of education at electrical engineering college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also being doing like a decade and a half of, uh, analog uh, engineering. You know, okay, these boards, these are Oach Park boards, and they are uh, what clear solder masks. They're black, uh, well, black FR4 clear mask, right? Mm -hmm. So the traces are really easy to see. Um, so, yeah, that's their thumbs up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate that's their that. after dark, I think, option. Yeah. The one thing I noticed about this board that is really convenient is, I guess, the mask is actually not super thick on this. I can probe vias from the top side. Like I can just stick a probe in vias and I can beep test uh, pretty easily, which is super nice. So mm -hmm. I don't have to like hold the board at weird angles and look, you know, uh, top and top and bottom. You know, actually I wish I had an x-ray uh, like, like Parker. One of the things I had thought about doing was putting this on my scanner scanning top and bottom and then uh, doing opacity uh, in, yep, in yep, a yep. Uh, like Inkscape or something like that such that I could trace it on the computer as I because I've been doing all just by hand yeah beep testing everything out yeah and uh, there, okay so there's there's I didn't mention but there's pads on the side there's eight pads on the side that uh, that are clearly like probe points or test points or something like that and they of course they all have symbols like uh, I don't know weed plant christmas tree horseshoe they've they've got 
they've got their symbols next to it. So, like, I legitimately have stuff in Dip Trace that's just like Christmas tree and weed. (laughs) 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 So, uh, uh, but but yeah, probing out from from these points. I mean, this board's pretty uh, straightforward to probe. It's just, I don't know. The layout's kind of psycho, uh, but I think that's the point. <laughs> well, we wanted to, like, we, what it is, we wanted to make it so that if at first glance it wouldn't be obvious what it was, what the circuit is. Yeah, and so the yeah, it's all over the place. Right, right, yeah. Because if you if you did it, well, and, and sneaky, sneaky, there are also traces that go to nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and things of that sort. So um, maybe that's a hint to some people. That'd uh, be sneaky. Well, and, and there are two pads that are clearly intended for um, a battery clip that's included in the uh, bag, and power and ground are not immediately clear which oh, there's one no goes indication where. How there's the, no indication how so so yeah you have to you have to back the funny thing is if okay so if you know i've got pnp and i've got npn transistors and then you start like getting some portions of the circuits uh, of the circuit going you can say okay cool great i can see how these transistors are arranged but if you don't know which way power and ground go then you don't have a good enough like it doesn't npn and pnp doesn't uh really uh mean anything if you don't know which one is power and ground mm-hmm. uh, so so like that's not enough information for you to like pe- put the puzzle together there so i don't know it's kind of fun I, and now the the part that i'm most curious about is how much easier would my life be if i had cracked the cipher already oh what was that how much easier would my life be if i have already cracked the cipher um so if you could figure out what components are in your bag, the cipher would help a lot. Got it. Got it. I I don't think I want to, because this is this is way more fun. <laughs> the, the funny thing is like this is okay. For anyone who ha- who does um, failure analysis in electrical circuits for your job, like this is like the kind of the bad kind of failure analysis where you're trying to figure out why something doesn't work and this isn't even built right like yeah no that's but, exactly but, what but like i do this all the time at work uh and and i actually kind of really enjoy failure analysis it's really fun to figure out why it doesn't work the the one the one nice part about failure analysis for the most part i should say especially on mature products is that you can start with the assumption that it works or that the circuit should work. And I can start with the assumption that this circuit should work. But most of the time with failure analysis, I know what the end goal is. With this, I have no clue what the end goal is. I just have some, like, hunches. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, fun. I don't know. As I make progress, it, it's just going to take a lot of time to reverse engineer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like how... We never, I think I never, I think I expected people to actually try to do it that way. Um, but I would, I would assume that people would try to tr- crack the site. Like that would be like, try three at attacking the board. Not the first thing you do, which is like, I am going to reverse from an electrical standpoint, this entire uh, badge. Yeah, I, the reason I chose that is because it just sounds like more fun, you know? Yeah. For crazy people. 
Yeah. I suppose, I suppose there is the nuclear option too. Uh, you could just guess like you could guess solder things on. Oh my, I, I, that sounds super tedious. Well, okay. So the capacitor you kind of get for free. Okay. The, tran- the transistors, you, uh, like you got a 50, 50 chance of getting them right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. And then all chance. the resistors, like my day job is, is soldering and desoldering things. Like you could look at the frequency of the ciphers on there and then place components based off of the frequency of what was provided to you and get some kind of functionality out of it, right? Yeah, I guess uh, that's, that'd be one way attack. Guessing yeah. things. And if it doesn't work, um, uh, replace the, flip the transistors. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a lot of desoldering, but <laughs> I suppose that's like an extreme brute force. That's like the lowest bottom of the barrel brute force version of this, like, because there's potential damage to the board that you could do by doing that. Yeah, and the thing is, what if you had some resistor values wrong and you swapped all your transistors around? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Uh, uh, well, okay. If you wanted to do that right, you'd cur- current limit your uh, power supply and make sure you're, you're looking sure. at that properly, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably not going to handle it that way. Oh, there's also a potentiometer on the board. That's that's one thing um, that I didn't mention. Or it it's does, not on the board. It does like. tell you the designator for that, though. Oh, yeah, right, right. Time.hack. <laughs> <laughs> which which another another reason why i would uh my my hypothesis of some kind of a blinky timer is uh what this thing is because also you can populate that i guess you could populate the potentiometer on either side of the board but uh it makes sense to populate it on the side that most likely faces other people so you can turn the pot and change the rate at which leds blink that's a uh, a guesstimate, so probably a good one. Probably a good one. <laughs> I mean, how many things? How many things could this do other than that? Uh, perhaps it could be. I a, haven't found it. It could yet. be a toaster. Well, okay. So one thing that I'm, I'm. It could just increase entropy. One thing I, I want to try <laughs> once, once this thing is all built up, there are eight pads on the side of the board that have the uh, the symbols on them. I want to probe them with a scope to see if there's anything unique or special about those. If I look at them on an oscilloscope or if I probe all eight of these with a DLA, do I get something unique in the uh, pulses that come out of this? So eight is a, uh, it's a very electrical number. You know, so eight pads, eight signals. It's just with this many discrete analog components i'm not sure how much features you guys could pack into it other than like it blinks an led at a rate but who knows maybe you guys got some really cool fancy schmancy stuff going on in there or maybe maybe these eight pads are for me to inject something into this and modify it somehow i don't know i think you're the first person that even mentioned those eight pads so well they're pretty obvious right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of people are just trying to get the board to do what it's supposed to do. So, okay. 
I'm going to ask you a question. You can plead the fifth on this, or you can do whatever, or, or maybe even Anon.xor can, can throw this into the uh, Twitch chat here. In everything that I've, I've said here, if you were to kind of like rank or rate what I've been talking about on this, like zero to 100, zero being like you're wacko, 100 being you've got 100% of everything you said is correct on this. Where, where, where might you rank me? Or are you not going to say? Um, you, you, you're going down the right path. <laughs> for for a uh, lot of things or for, for your yeah for a lot of things and the way you're going about it okay it's definitely unique the way you're going about it because you're not paying attention to the cipher or any of the hints um honestly i want to see if you can actually complete the puzzle that way just crack it without knowing anything just brute force engineer it yeah. reverse engineer it yeah I'll, I'll that, give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I may, I may even like not even try at the cipher. Yeah, um, but you did use the cipher a bit in terms of just, um, getting the frequency of components and stuff. Actually, I have, fair. I haven't done the frequency of components at all. I just oh, okay. know that the freq- like I can see it on there, but I haven't like written a list of any components or anything. Like the only thing I have used the cipher for so far is just to indicate that, um. One of the transistors is car poker chip raindrop, and the other type of transistor is car poker chip pizza. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I've done. So, like, I actually, in <laughs> if you look at my schematic <laughs> right now, like, I don't have like R1, I have like pizza doge, you know, as, <laughs> as the ref does of, of each resistor, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well. I guess awesome. I'm on I'm on a path. It's definitely a uh, a path you probably will walk alone. Yeah, I mean it's yeah I yeah it, it, th- this this puzzle wasn't necessarily I don't know it's it's intended for anyone right anyone who mm-hmm. wants to have fun with it right but um, well we att- we we try to design something that could be solved multiple different ways. Yeah. Either through cracking a cipher, um, but cracking a cipher in different ways, either by going through um, the hints of what the cipher is, but you can also brute force the cipher. Um, the idea of like you just do it by the logical standpoint. We wanted, uh, I wanted to make sure that you could kind of do that as well. Um, well, and, I'm uh, the psycho trying to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, so we'll we'll see if it uh, if it comes out. Yep, it's good. The problem with it is it's just going to take a ton of time. Like yeah, and if you're wondering how to get one, um, the problem is well, I guess it's the problem. Um, so Anna XOR s- sold them as a pre-sale like, like a, two months ago or something like that. So basically, the only ones that are left are you have to come to DefCon to get them. Well, drive on out to Vegas in like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. Um, which is kind of, I guess that's kind of unfortunate, but it's one of those we did like tweet that we were selling them a while ago. So, um, yeah. All right. Or you can buy them on, on eBay. I bet you someone will sell them on eBay. Somebody will, even though the package says. Uh, where is it? 
it says it on here somewhere. Oh, illegal to sell on eBay. Yeah. Right up at the top. <laughs> Just cover that over. Cover cover that over with some tape. All right, so uh, I've got a I've got another topic um, that I want to I want to bang out. I've I've been thinking about talking about this for a while um, because it's it's affecting some projects that I'm working on right now. But I realize like it's kind of uh, not well known. I should. I, I and guess. this is quite a departure from uh, what we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, ha- hacking uh, DefCon badges. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So I wanted to talk about PCB design rules for clearances um, because I think I think there's a lot of like I mean it's pretty straightforward what we're talking about with with clearances, but when you start digging into what's required and what's necessary for your circuit to operate, things start to get really sticky and they start to get really regulatory. And mm-hmm. in the regulatory land, it gets there's. Tables and charts galore. Let's just put it that way. So, um, okay, clearances in your PCBs are basically how far things are apart from each other. It boiled all the way down to its like minimal, most minimal uh, level. And uh, there's two two kind of terms that reference your clearances. There's the word clearance, and then there's creepage. Uh, so the thing about it that's that's funny is. Um, most EDA tools, and most of the time when we talk about clearance, we actually mean the word creepage in, uh, on our PCBs. Hmm. And so I think it's important to define those terms real quick. You got clearance, which is the shortest path between two conductive parts or between conductive parts and the boundary surface of the equipment measured through the air. So that's kind of the key word there is, is the air. Is as the electrons, I mean, clear. The electron crow flies, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's creepage, and creepage is is what we run into more, but we call it clearance. Creepage is the shortest path between two conductive parts, or between a conductive part and the bounding surface of the equipment, measured along the surface of the insulation. So creepage okay. basically is the shortest distance. If you were to touch the PCB all the way, um, yeah. So you, from you part had part. your finger on the board and you couldn't lift your finger up, right? Now, so most of the time, clearance and creepage would be the same, right? But there are some instances where it's not. That's right, and they both uh, affect different things. So when you talk about clearances on PCBs, you have to you have to think about both of them. In fact, a, a great example. Um, is if you have a part on on a PCB, or you, let's say you have two parts on a PCB that are adjacent to each other, and they uh, they extend up into the air a bit, and they have heat sinks on them that actually are closer to each other. Well, your creepage distance between the parts is the distance between the parts, but your clearance between them is shorter because the heat sinks of the actual package are closer to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's a situation where the clearance is less than the creepage, and you'd have to pay attention to that. But there are other situations where the clearance can be, uh, or the creepage can be less than the clearance. Um, it's sort of the opposite of, of what I just, um, of the example I just gave. So, uh, there's, there's a great website that I have used for calculating these things. It's smps.us. And then they have, uh, a bunch of information on creepage and clearance, and they have some calculators that are on there. Uh, I kind of wanted to just briefly talk about a little bit 
of what goes into that and what to consider about that. But we'll have those links up in case anyone is, is interested in, in them. They're really easy to use calculators that just give you some, some numbers um, based off of the inputs that are mainly just what my voltage is. Because voltage is kind of the main factor on what dictates how far your parts or your traces or your pads need to be away from each other. But there's a handful more things to take into account if, uh, depending on what, what environment your design is going to be in. So if you're designing for like mains voltage in the U S or if you're, uh, specifically designing your circuit to meet safety standards, IEC UL 60950-1 is the document you want to be looking at. That's the one that basically gives all the safety standards for both mains, but voltage on any tracks, primary, secondary transformer windings, all of, everything of, of this sort. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's a lovely UL document that's behind a paywall, so I don't have tons of information that I can just spout out about it. But if you if you are designing a product that connects to mains and you want to get UL certified for safety, that is grab that document. Get. That's where you yeah. need to go. Uh, there is a another document that if if you're not going for safety regulations and you're not going for UL, you can look at IPC two 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 one, which that is just generic PCB design rules that also covers creepage. I'm sorry, it covers clearances, but not creepage. Um, and, and that, uh, gives a pretty decent, um, actually what's interesting is I, the IPC two, 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 one document has stronger requirements than the safety, uh, document. So it's a good place to at least start your design. Like if you're thinking about how you want to lay out your board, you can always check the IPC two, 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 two or two, 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 one. And, uh, the, and that gives you ballpark numbers as to what you need to set up in your DRC and things like that. So, uh, okay. So in the, in the UL document, the 60950-1, uh, there's a handful of, uh, basic inputs that you, you effectively, they have tables that say, if your working voltage is this and a handful of other things, this is what your, your requirements are. Um, so those other things are your insulation material group, your pollution degree, your working voltage, but also your appliance insulation class and your altitude and elevation of the product. Uh, so all of those things affect the PCB clearances and creepage that you need to uh, look out for. So inside of the insulation material group, there's a uh, there's a number called the Comparative Tracking Index, the CTI, which is basically a number used to measure the electrical breakdown of insulating materials, like wire and uh, wire jackets and things like that. Mm -hmm. like, so uh, the, the the coatings, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they 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 say they, they use the word uh, tracking. Um, replace uh, in replace of the word breakdown. So instead of electrical breakdown, they say electrical tracking here. And according to the uh, CTI, they say tracking is an electrical breakdown on the surface of an insulating material, wherein an initial exposure to electrical arcing heat carbonizes the material. The carbonized area uh, flow. Uh, Areas are more conductive than the pristine insulator, increasing current flow, resulting in increased heat generation, and eventually the insulation becomes completely conductive. 
and you've probably seen that before mm-hmm. where where something starts to turn black and then it and then it shines brightly and then a fuse pops right like that is or it pops well one or the other, or it catches on fire right yeah um so so in in determining your your creepage and clearances you have to know your your CTI index of everything that uh, is in related to the I guess the nets that you're you're dealing with. Um, so there's four categories on that. There's uh, there's one, two, three A, and three B, and they basically range from a hundred volts up to six hundred volts. And the general rule of thumb is if you don't know the CTI of everything, then you just assume three B, which is the most stringent, and that is a hundred to hundred and seventy five. And all of this just references lookup tables in mm-hmm. um, in the uh, UL standards here. So the second thing to keep in mind uh, is, or not only like, okay, so first of all, when you're designing something, you can design in or change your um, insulation material group, but you also have to keep in mind where your product is going to go, uh, what, it, what environment it's going to be in, and that determines its pollution degree. So pollution is, uh, the way they consider pollution is, uh, degree one is no pollution whatsoever. Pollution being something that can become conductive. Um, so if something is in contact with the board or if it's in an atmosphere that can become conductive, then your distances between parts uh, needs to be uh, expanded effectively. And degree two of pollution is non-conductive contamination that might temporarily become conductive due to condensation. Oh, and then like, de- like being outside in Houston? <laughs> Honestly, I bet you Humidity? Houston is, is degree two, you know? Yeah. Like oh, if, yeah. if, if like, okay, so say a PCB gets really dusty and then it gets really humid, you now have an, an extra conducting path that's on your PCB, right? Uh, then degree three is conductive pollution. Uh, effectively so if you go on to, on to these websites and, and run these calculators they, they end up just spitting out numbers there but you gotta uh, like say you're designing a product you have to know like where is this thing going is this just going to go in somebody's living room well your pollution degree is probably going to be pretty minimal right mm-hmm. uh, but if it's going to go into an environment that's wet or humid and very dusty uh, then you might need to adjust your pollution degree uh to prevent issues of this sort. Now, if you go to get UL certified, you're going to have to call all this stuff out. So you're going to have to declare what all of these things are um, in your test documentation. So uh, like we, this is, this is, is more of degree one. Oh yeah. E- easiest stuff. Highest CTI index and the, and degree one pollution, right? Yep. So then the last thing in that, in that thing, in the uh, UL uh, chart stuff is, is working voltage. That uh, so that's the one that basically the higher the voltage, the wider things need to be spaced apart to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the whole purpose of going through this is is not so that like we can give you all the information. It's more about uh, just letting you know what you, what you need to keep in mind if you're starting a design and you're like, hey, I need to know what clearances are for safety, yeah. or if you're putting mains on your PCB, like here's the things to keep in mind and unfortunately it's not as simple as just saying oh you know air has a has a breakdown of 40 volts per mil therefore it needs to be x mils apart done like it's more complex than that um and at the same time it's worth considering i i had mentioned altitude and elevation um 
the higher up you go, the pressure drops and uh, you, the insulation, um, you need wider insulation. So um, is that because I want to guess electrons can more easily arc across with less air in between them? I don't know exactly the, uh, well, the that makes cause, sense because I, I believe so. Yeah, because there would be less your insulation air barrier. There's less dielectric is, in between. Less yeah, things less you have to like break down, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so in in general, I, I think about, I wonder. Well, sorry, I'm interrupting. I wonder no, how totally prominent that is. Like the difference between let's say here in Houston, which is sea level, to Denver. I can tell you because I had a, an issue with it about three weeks ago. I, I had a board that arced and carbonized. And um, I am in Denver, so I am exactly one mile up. And uh, my buddy has the exact same board in Connecticut, and he's at sea level. And he's never once had a problem with it. And I had arcing on my board. So, uh, and, and here's the thing. I had used a calculator. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm talking about that is because I had some arcing. And <laughs> the funny thing is what, what I did with, uh, with this board, it arced. Uh, I saw the board carbonize and the board got really hot there and it started glowing. So I let it go for a little bit and just char itself up. And then I took a drill bit and I just drilled that section of the board out <laughs> and it fired up and it would work fine. So I shouldn't laugh because you know, I mean, that is a safety issue, but um, uh, that was at the most extreme voltage portion of the PCB. So I'm, I'm confident that it's fine. Uh, it had arced right there. And, but like I said, I think, uh, altitude had something to do with that. Um, and, and I've adjusted clearances since then. Now I had used a calculator and, uh, and put in my max total voltage on there. So I don't think it's entirely, uh, just altitude based. I think that the uh, PCB manufacturer, uh, didn't do as good of a job, uh, in making this board and got a little too close. So I didn't have a high enough safety margin. The altitude was off and I think the PCB was not, um, amazing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay. So then, uh, the sort of the last thing to kind of touch on real quick is that say you're not gonna, you're not looking for the UL safety standards. You can easily just go online and find calculators that do uh, the IPC 2221 requirements. And they give you, instead of creepage distances, they just give you straight up clearance distances, which most of the time creepage and clearance are the same thing. So you can kind of just rely on that. So you can use these calculators and, uh, and just get like a baseline number and then add whatever safety margin you want. Uh, it's just typically these calculators give you some information for external conductors, internal conductors, and coded conductors. External conductors being like FR4 with raw copper on the outside. Like there's or, nothing or there. Or leads from components. Correct. Yeah. Like if you have through hole components, this will be mm -hmm. from lead to lead. Internal is, you know, any, any layer beyond two layer boards. This is the spacing in between internals and then coded. It's, it's confusing because they don't define it, but coded is actually boards with solder mask count as coded, even though they have exposed pads. They actually, if you look at a cross section, they have coding in between the pads. So that actually adds mm, a little okay. bit. So, so that, that technically counts. Uh, but, um, yeah, I had to, I had to do some research on that cause it seems confusing. Cause it's like, well, these pads are exposed. Shouldn't they be considered external? But if it has solder mask, technically it's considered coded. 
Uh, so my, my my suggestion on it is is if you if you are working with higher voltages, and I would I would honestly do this for anything above say like twelve volts is just make sure you're you're because because any voltage can arc right it doesn't mm. it, like it doesn't matter uh, like high voltage is not different than low voltage in terms of its arcing capability it, it, is, arcs it is over a longer distance right right exactly so uh, it's not a not a bad idea to make sure your power rails have uh, proper spacing. Uh, just, I would say, run these calculators on the IPC two 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 one, and then add some fat to that margin, and uh, and and then you should be good. But if you're looking to actually design a product that connects to mains, or you're designing a product that has um, potential um, safety issues with with being in contact with a human, then it's worth looking at the IEC UL six zero nine five zero one. Or at least just doing some research on Google as to what is contained within there, because that can that can give you the place to begin your design. Mm-hmm. I had to look at all this stuff when I was designing uh, this latest text fi- test fixture at work. Oh yeah, it deals with three hundred volt DC. Yep. Yep. So, well, and and yeah, there's a, there's a lot more to it above and beyond that like just 300 volt dc is its working voltage but that's not a peak right like it can it can go higher than that and so you gotta you have to know what your design is capable of and then ul will require uh i don't remember what the what the margin is but but sometimes you have to do it has to be able to withstand like 3x uh voltage spikes and things like that so uh, yeah, just keep all of that in mind. Yeah, this I, is all good stuff to research before you start laying out a board. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did IPC two 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 one because it's a mm-hmm. test fixture. Yeah. Um, and I did pollution degree two. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's Houston. It's Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah, moist air is probably uh, fairly conductive. Yeah, and it's so. moist air one hundred percent of the time. All, all the time. Even when the air conditioner is running. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or you just get someone standing next to it, just talking a lot, all that hot air. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think I did uh, what CTI two. Oh, for all the insulation. Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly for like three A would have been enough, but I was like, yeah, you know, two is probably okay too. And that yeah, the insulation material group two would be four hundred to six hundred volts. Yeah, yeah, because it's only going up to three hundred, but it do, it could spike higher. I don't know how much higher, but it could. So, you know, and um, okay, so one one trick I've done this before. Uh, if if you have if you have the space on your PCB, one way to easily artificially increase your creepage distance is to cut slots in your board. Mm-hmm. Um, safety, safety slots that I know that can help with uh, mains as well in terms of passing you. Well, um, if, if you need to run traces closer together, then you can cut slots in the board and get away with that. In fact, uh, on one of my most recent um, tube designs, tube amp designs, I, I put slots between all the pins on the sockets such that it's just, the creepage distance is now like two X or something like that between mm-hmm. pins because one of the, one of the pins has the capability of going up to a thousand volts, but I'm not going to have any problems with the creepage. It's more the clearance that it is the problem because adding slots doesn't change your clearance. 
um, it just changes your creepage. But that also, uh, so arcing is different than carbonizing your board and creepage has um, a much higher chance of carbonizing your board. And once you carbonize your board, you've made a conductive path that doesn't go away mm-hmm. unless you didn't, you did my trick where you drill out the board. <laughs> remove it <laughs> yeah just get rid of it so now, um i've seen i mainly use the uh the slot method because mm-hmm. usually when you you're you're let's say you're running mains on your board on your printed circuit board you can keep them pretty far apart until you have to reach a component <laughs> <laughs> well, true. most time yeah. those components are like a relay and those mm-hmm. pins are closer together and then you start looking at like the what what your your spacing should be and you're like well you can't hit that spacing because those pins are closer than that spacing oh you know, you know what's what's the uh, the biggest culprit of that is a uh, to 220 packages like you'll find a mosfet in a to 220 package it's like i can handle 800 volts yeah sure you can but your pins are 30 mils apart from each yeah, it's other like, arc across the right yeah, yeah like yeah. Oh, cool <laughs> like the die can handle it i suppose or whatever I don't. I wonder like, if they made make them in different packages so the die can handle it, but the, like a TO two twenty package can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I just, or you, or it just will never pass safety. You know? Or you just take the pins and and you you spread them out. Well, the, yeah. Um, in fact, I There's I read one die. article earlier where it was like a TO two twenty. Uh, package where you spread the pins and you still adhere to PCB design rules, you can only move that up to like 50 mil difference because oh, the, okay. the pins are 30 mils or whatever apart right at the yeah, body at of the, the package, right? Yeah, at so. the encapsulation. Yeah. Right. So there's only so much you can get away with. A TO220. Right. I think that's going to wrap up our podcast. Yeah, I think that's it. So, so that was wait, what? That 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 was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Stephen Craig and Parker Dillman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. Stay creepage or clearance. I forgot already. <laughs>